0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, October 6th, and this is your FT News Briefing. As coronavirus continues to spread within Donald Trump's inner circle, U.S. voters still don't know how serious the president's condition has been. Plus, the IMF instructs rich countries to spend, but spend well, on infrastructure. And a court case over trade secrets between two South Korean companies could affect the future of electric cars in the United States. I'm Brendan Greeley, Informark Filipino. Here's the news you need to start your day. Kieran Stacey is the FT's Washington correspondent. With the rest of the bureau, he spent the weekend trying to figure out exactly how serious Donald Trump's case of COVID 19 has been. Now, as of Monday afternoon, the president plans to head home. But there's still a lot of details about his stay in a U.S. military hospital that we just don't know. Kieran. What happened this weekend?
1: Well, let's start with what we know. The president was diagnosed with coronavirus at some point late, mid to late last week. Uh, We were told about it very late on Thursday night, early hours of Friday morning. We were initially told that his symptoms were mild, that he would be continuing to work from the White House residence. But within hours, suddenly he was being airlifted off to Walter Reed's Medical Center just outside Washington, D.C., He has then spent the weekend at Walter Reed. He has been given supplemental oxygen twice when his own oxygen saturation levels dropped. Uh, He has also been given a highly experimental cocktail of drugs, some of which have not been yet fully approved for use, two of which are really only supposed to be for patients with late-stage coronavirus, which really doesn't tally with what we've been told of when the president first started suffering symptoms. Uh, And we don't think that the three of these drugs have been used together in such a short space of time by very many people at all, if anyone. However, he is now apparently on Monday feeling much better. He's had several days, his doctors say, without fever, and without his oxygen levels having dipped over the last day or two. Uh, So they think that he can go and complete his course of drugs back at the White House, which is, of course, equipped with a highly sophisticated medical centre and where he'll now be monitored for the next few days. The crucial point is going to come at the 7 to 10 day mark, which is when occasionally the body's immune system overreacts to the virus and causes much more severe problems. Doctors are aware of the possibility of that being a very risky point, but they say that, look, they're there. They can monitor this and they can rush him back to hospital at any point should he need
0: But Kieran, there's been a lot of back and forth uh, with the White House press corps and the president's physicians. It's basically turning everybody into an amateur physician. There's still some basic details that we don't know. For example, you said that his uh, oxygenation levels dropped twice. We still don't know how far down they dropped, right?
1: That's right. We were told they didn't drop into the low 80s, but that was about it. We don't know what they did apart from that, apart from the fact that it was severe enough to warrant giving him oxygen, which is fairly serious by all accounts. We don't know where his temperature was at at any given point. We don't know exactly what symptoms he was suffering from. And crucially, we don't know when his last negative test was. Now, this is really important because it tells us when we think the disease became prevalent enough in his system that it started testing positive. And we don't know if he actually exposed other people to this virus, apart from the people that we already have been told came into close contact with. Him.
0: What do we know right now about whether anything has changed about how the campaign handles the virus uh, and about how the party handles the virus?
1: I think that just as far as the president's own case of coronavirus goes, there was utter confusion in the early days about how they wanted to spin this. So you had his personal physician, Sean Connolly, coming in front of the camera saying that the president had only suffered mild symptoms. Then Mark Meadows, his chief of staff, Goes out to reporters less than an hour afterwards and has an off the record conversation during which she says actually things were much more serious than we first uh, admitted. Sean Connolly then later comes out and admits, yes, okay, it was more serious than we thought. But he's on the road to recovery now. What is the message supposed to be here? Is it that the president is so strong that he never really suffered very badly or that he's so strong that he suffered badly, but he's fought it off? Either way, they're clearly going to now spin that the fact that he's recovered from this not only shows his strength, but also shows that he has a unique outlook and a unique perspective when it comes to fighting the disease. I think he himself has said he's now found out about coronavirus, not just from books, but from suffering it himself. So that is going to be his line if he makes the next presidential debate. That will be his line on coronavirus. Joe Biden will come at him with evidence and statistics about how the virus has been managed or mismanaged in the U.S., uh, and Trump will simply turn around and say, look, I went through this myself. I understand it. Um, you know, Defer to me when it comes to coronavirus. It'll be very interesting to see whether that succeeds and carries political weight.
0: Kieran, thank you very much on a very busy news day.
1: All right. Thanks very much.
0: The International Monetary Fund is telling rich countries to worry less about public debt, borrow money at low interest rates, and start spending it on infrastructure. And they should do it right now, starting with just basic maintenance, then moving on to expanding internet access, and then making it possible to shift their economies away from carbon. This is a departure for the fund. Historically, it's urged countries to move toward a balanced budget. Paulo Mauro, he's the deputy director of fiscal affairs for the IMF, told the FT that you get a bigger bang for your buck right now, because during a contraction, investment from private firms is low. The fund estimates that an increase in public investment now of 1% of GDP would mean an increase in growth of more than 2% of GDP in two years. But countries can't just spend their money on anything. As Mr. Morrow put it, the fund isn't just talking about digging holes. In other words, the quality of the spend will matter. Expect to hear more about how to pay for infrastructure next week when the annual meetings of the International Monetary Fund kick off. Now, a story about lithium batteries and a legal battle over alleged trade secrets. A South Korean energy and chemical company, SK Innovation, is building a new industrial site in the small U.S. city of Commerce, Georgia. It is an enormous plant, 2.4 million square feet, and SKI has pledged to put a total of $2.6 billion into the state. It is the single largest investment by any company in Georgia's history. The plant's future in Georgia is uncertain, and with it, the lithium batteries, SKI, had planned to sell to companies like Ford and VW. That's because later this month, the U.S. International Trade Commission will decide whether SKI deliberately destroyed thousands of documents, suggesting it had illegally acquired sensitive technology from LG Chem. That is the world's largest maker of lithium-ion batteries. Joining me to speak about this is Peggy Hollinger. She is the FT's international business editor. She's been covering this story.
2: Hi, Peggy. Hello, Brendan. How are you?
0: Uh, Peggy, set the stakes for us here. Why is one plant making lithium batteries so important?
2: Well, for a start... As you've already said, it's a huge investment for Georgia, but more importantly, it's strategically a huge and important investment for U.S. ambitions in the electric vehicle market. This plant was due to come online later in 2022 with 22 gigawatt hours of capacity, which is phenomenal when compared to SKI's own estimates of current domestic production at just 43 gigawatt hours equivalent. So you can see it's absolutely huge as a proportion of domestic production. But also, the expectations for the electric vehicle market are of significant growth over the next few years. Deloitte estimates that there will be 21 million vehicles sold by 2030 globally, and that's up from just 2 million in 2018. So you can see there's vast growth. But the problem has been there's been a shortage of batteries. So this investment in Georgia really has a huge importance for U.S. policy and strategy in the automotive industry.
0: What exactly is LG Chem alleging took place?
2: LG Chem is alleging that many of its trade secrets were brought by those interviewees to SKI, that they were encouraged to bring confidential information in presentations to SKI. And it's also alleging that SKI then deliberately deleted thousands of documents showing evidence that it had gathered this confidential information, despite having been warned that LG Chem was considering legal action. Now, in South Korea, there is no obligation to keep the documents until the lawsuit is launched. But in the United States, the law says as soon as there's a reasonable expectation of litigation, all those documents must be kept. SKI denies any wrongdoing, saying it had no obligation to keep the documents and that it wasn't officially informed of legal action until later, and then it did stop the deletion of documents
0: this is really tricky law, though. This goes back to the 19th century with English looms uh, losing employees to the United States. You know, we obviously want free movement of people among companies. That's a good thing. But this kind of law is tricky to litigate because you have to balance that concern against the ability of a company to hold on to its trade secrets.
2: Absolutely. This is one of the most difficult issues that's raised by this case is, you know, if you are expanding in a very niche specialist sector, a lot of the key information Uh, lies in the heads of these very clever people that that you've hired who developed this stuff. And they can't be stopped from moving if they choose to do so. The question then is, what is a trade secret and how do you protect from that? That's why you have these non-compete clauses that you can't join a competitor for a certain amount of
0: time. These are really interesting issues. But one thing I don't completely understand is what are two Korean companies doing suing each other in American courts?
2: So the ITC, the International Trade Commission, is increasingly being used for trade secret cases.
0: Sorry, this is a U.S. organization. It's
2: a U.S. agency, yeah, the U.S. International Trade Commission. It cannot impose financial penalties or damages, but it can bar the import of goods which are deemed to be the result of trade secret theft and which are deemed to cause injury to a U.S. industry sector entity. And I think the way people are looking at this is if you have a trade secret dispute that for, in some countries, political reasons, you cannot resolve appropriately, you can then look to the U.S. court if there is any exposure in the United States for your product. If you have manufacturing facilities, for example, you can bring it to the court in the United States.
0: Peggy, it's a busy fall here in the United States. When should we expect a decision?
2: on or before October 26th, assuming the two sides don't decide to settle. As it comes down to the wire, they may well face a lot of pressure politically and economically to come to some sort of agreement.
0: Peggy, thank you. You're welcome. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news.
2: Visit slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, NA, copyright 2024.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.